Never in the history of the world have the merchants of obscenity had available to them the modern facilities for disseminating this filth. Disseminating this filth. The onslaught of the communist masters of deceit. Bingo. Sluts. Inco. Comma. Sluts. Inco. Comma. Sluts. Inco. Comma. Sluts. Hello. Uh, I literally just had my volume on mute. Oh, so that was my bad. Yeah, you better get it together. <laughs> Waiting on Steve, the big star. So, yeah, I found out a cool trick to avoid hiking. <laughs> what is that? Not owning hiking boots. Oh, yeah, no, you can just go in sneakers, but... Yeah, well, <laughs> it was all like, oh, this path needs hiking boots, and I'm like, meh. And she's like, well, we could walk down this path. And I'm like, I don't want to. <laughs> so that that. Steve's here. Oh, man. We're already talking about hiking. Yeah. Well, he's talking All the about. I didn't do. It's, a re- it's a sequel to last week. He solved the problem. He figured out how to get out of hiking. It was uh, not to have hiking boots, apparently. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, only show up with sandals. Yeah, uh, just Tevas. Well, you could have won in sneakers, you know, but you, you got to take a win. I don't know. It was like the mountains of East Tennessee. Though what I did do was I watched Sunset Boulevard for the first time. Lovely movie. Oh, for the first time ever. Yeah, no, I never, I never got around to watching it. Oh, nice. I finally get the Rugrats reference. <laughs> Yes, now, now you, yeah, it was like a whole episode, wasn't it? I don't know that it was a whole episode, but Angelica would always say, I'm ready for my close-up, Mr. DeMille. Yes. She would also say it, Mr. DeVille, and also the line, much like in Star Wars, no, I am your father, not Luke, I am your father. Mm -hmm. Um, It's actually, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. Oh, uh, shit. I'm ready for my close-up, Mr. But, uh, yeah, finally got that reference. Uh, lovely. <laughs> great, great movie. Yeah. Should watch more of those. Because, like, so far, I mean, my top three movies have always been uh, In Bruges, Casablanca, and Clueless. That's a, it's a periphery. Mm-hmm. I should watch more old-timey uh, fucking movies. Watch Yeah. I haven't seen that much Humphrey. Um, Not that much, Humphrey. Yeah. I'm uh, midway through watching Say Anything for the first time. Oh. I don't believe I've seen that one. I... John Cusack. Yeah, it's... Oh, okay. Oh, the one with the, the, one with the boombox. Uh-huh. Okay. It's the boombox movie. Yeah, and he's he's in a trench coat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has Ariel seen uh, Better Off Dead? Better Off Dead. Um, I, don't seen, I know you've seen Better Off Dead because it's like one of my favorite fucking movies, dude. Yeah, yeah, we we watched it multiple times. Skiing. Yeah, yeah, skiing. I want my two dollars. I'll I'll recommend that. We're. Uh, I'm sorry, your mom blew up, Ricky. 
What was the other? We watched another Cusack movie. Oh, well, that would be High Fidelity. High Fidelity, yeah. Yeah, but you'd always ah. be in like some breakup where you'd never want to watch High Fidelity. Which also, to be fair, like then it's not a great. Movie. I mean, it's like good Jack Black, which is nice. Uh, I tried to but, watch the uh, show with uh, Zoe Kravitz. Is it no? Right? It was High more, Fidelity. Yeah, the High Fidelity, the new one. I did not like it. Oh, there's a no. high fidelity. Yeah. They made they made the main character a female, right? Yeah. Okay. It, well, yeah, it was boring. <laughs> yeah, I mean, also like the original movie isn't great. Like, I mean, honestly, I feel like making the main character female is almost an art project just to prove the original High Fidelity isn't actually that great of a movie. Wait, <laughs> doesn't it follow a character from the movie, the original movie? Or something. I, uh, I honestly, if it does, it wasn't in the episodes I saw. Well, the point <laughs> is, it's a great movie. Is better off dead. Uh, hilarious jaunt about how funny it is to kill yourself. That's right, guys. Welcome to Pinko Kami Sluts. Uh, <laughs> we're talking about fun suicide movies. Fun suicide movie. It was one of our first dates. Ariel and I watched uh, Harold and Maud. Oh boy! Yeah, fun suicide movies. It was our first movie night. You know, Harold and Maud is the kind of movie I really associate with a specific type of person, mostly <laughs> the type of person who was from a wealthy artsy background this is like i always ran into random fangirls of harold and maude like in private school they were i mean i've never seen it but i feel like it's almost similar to uh are you talking shit about ariel no (laughs) i I feel like it's almost similar to like the graduate or like um Oh, what's the fucking... What's that one? Uh, now I forget every... I, I, I'm drawing a blank on every fucking name, and it's going to suck when I remember it all. Every name that's ever existed. Yeah. No, Marlo can't think of a single yeah. name. <laughs> no, I'm trying to think. Okay, the movie's Annie Hall, and I still can't think of the name of the guy. Uh, Fuck. Woody Allen? Yes, I couldn't think of Woody Allen. Thank you. It was killing me. Um, yeah. Pedophile. Yeah. Alert. Yeah, well, it, anyway, people who like Harold and Maude remind me of people who like Annie Hall. Uh, oh, yeah, I can one. see that. I can see that. There's, like, something aesthetically similar. Yeah, it's super, like, just 70s, dark comedy. I've never actually uh, seen Harold and Maude. Other movies that we watched, we watched, um... The East and oh, the East is like good. The the movie before that of a cult because we were in a cult mood. Oh oh oh! Uh, Sound of my voice. Sound of my voice. The yeah, we did. I believe feature. came first, but uh, no, no, it's the other way around. Really? Oh yeah. Oh voice. yeah, I did know. Okay, yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. that's a great team. They're like really good at coming up with premises and really bad at 
picking an end to the. Yeah, no, the end of the East is so terrible. The end of Sound of My Voice also sucks. Also not good. They're yeah. really bad at coming up with the end of movies, but they're really they, good at writing every other part of a movie, and I appreciate that. And, and most of the other part of the movie is joining a cult or leading a cult, depending on which side of Brit, uh, what's her name, uh, falls on. Yeah. Well, I mean, the East isn't a cult. The East is a cogent political organization. I'm with them. I support the East. Critically support the East. <laughs> you know, I critically support their efforts to uh, make Ellen Page's dad swim naked in the poison. <laughs> God, what a great movie. Fuck. I, miss, I forgot yeah. how much I love that movie. I yeah, we watched it the last Great. Yeah, no, they're a great fucking writing, directing, acting team. Um, need more of them. Okay, here's a movie that I also recently watched that could get us into a, a transition. Okay. But, uh, um, Birth of a Nation. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. No, no uh, Slumdog Millionaire. Oh, I was going uh, to be like, Gone with the Wind, because that bitch died. <laughs> It's like Olivia de Havilland was not a bitch, uh, as far as I know. Long dog. <laughs> There's also the have life you, of Pi in terms of fantastical Indian movies. But, have you seen uh, some that? I have. How, what What are your opinions on it? Well, you I've never, never saw, saw it. it. I'm just gonna say it. It's a little uh, magic. No, I, I remember like the year that it like won all the Oscars and movie, and I'm like, yeah, and I never saw it. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I'm just gonna say it's racist. I don't know. <laughs> nah, I don't. Nah, it's good. Yeah, it's definitely good. good, but it uh, follows all the questions of Indian millionaire. Mm-hmm. Right. And each, well, each, uh, I mean, there's when you said this could transition, is Bunny going to take <laughs> Hey, inside. That's right. That our audience That's right. That. I was on um, to be a millionaire. Please welcome Jennifer Thimelis from Bedford-Stuyvesant, New York. Unfortunately, now, the season with Terry Crews, which isn't great. I used to be very, like, pleased about this. And now I'm like, God damn it, Terry Crews. Way to lose it for me. Uh, See, I was a time. There was a time that uh, with my ex-husband that we told someone that I was on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. And then uh, my ex got very paranoid afterwards that that person thought we were joking and being racist because that person was Indian. And <laughs> it was because of Slumdog Millionaire. Yes. No, I thought this was going to transition into an R.I.P. Regis. Oh, yes. Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> There's so many different transitions. Oh, yeah. Regis, he passed away at the, at the racist age of 88, racist though. <laughs> <laughs> My mom watched I remember I had, <laughs> I had the Slumdog, or no, the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire PC game on like the first season of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Also, my mom's former student. Wow. Was one La Tida. No, I have nothing to say except I did not win a million dollars. Here you go. 
Norm Lewis became the first African-American actor to play the title role in the 10,936th performance of what Broadway show? Yeah, my gut really says walk away. I think that's the final answer. You're going to walk away? I'm going to walk. She's going to walk. Jennifer's going to walk with $32,050. What's the correct answer? The Phantom of the Opera. And I do not recommend going on a game show when you really need the money. It's a terrible feeling. I hated it. <laughs> Which, I mean, yeah. I, 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 well, it became a very, like, in retrospect, a complete weird late capitalist experience for me. Um, oh, this is a good one. Go for it. Yeah, because... I had, leading up to going on the show, I had sort of um, gone through many mindsets. Like, there was the week I was, like, trying to memorize the presidents in order, <laughs> which uh, it doesn't really make sense to try to study for a randomized trivia game like Who Wants to Be a Millionaire because... It's all about whether you happen to get questions that you are familiar with. There's no real way to control for it. But, like, once I sort of, like, let go of the idea that I should somehow study for it, I just, like, got in the zone a little bit. But then when I got there, uh, first of all, you have to sit through all this legalese about how they, if you win any money, they won't give you any of the money if you tell anybody any of the questions or how much you won before it airs. So, uh, and they own your image on the show throughout the universe in perpetuity, <laughs> which is real fun. Yeah. Entertainment legalese. It's like in every contract, it's insane. Cause they're like, just in case we get alien broadcasting, we got you bitch. But, right. uh, it's this very like weird sanitized artificial setting to go on a mm -hmm. game show you are sort of uh they took all of our devices and i remember when i filmed it the world cup was going on and mm -hmm. we were all like oh well they're not going to ask about the world cup that's going on right now <laughs> and they were like nope you have to do all of these rules like by law uh so we were like kept in this isolation chamber without any of our devices and then when you go to actually play the game you like say bye to everyone you've just met in the green room forever <laughs> because once you whatever <laughs> happens you get like literally like shoved out another door <laughs> like it's and, and and into the police car yeah which will, take, <laughs> which will take you to the place in india the they, <laughs> like so, nipple clamps to you and charge electricity through your body to see if you were cheating yeah uh, that's it, the same experience yeah, they, I mean, they really belabor the few people who've been caught uh, organizing some kind of cheat with the millionaire franchise. It's been a huge deal. And like also the audience has no devices on them. Like 
the last scandal happened in the UK, I think, where uh, somebody in the audience was clearing their throat every time to indicate like the correct answer. And so there was a lot of belaboring the point of uh, not uh, letting people sort of like make noise in the audience in any discernible way. Once I like got a few questions correct, it definitely became like, oh, God, oh, God, the like chance to like change my whole life by playing a fucking arbitrary game became really um Mm. like it was very intense and i it's on youtube everyone if you want to watch it you'll see uh yeah you'll see how mad i am at the question i walk away on because like i was like calculating my risk there and if I would have felt uh, comfortable just playing the game so to speak I probably would have gone further Uh, but at this point I had amassed an imaginary amount of money (laughs) that I stood to lose and I was like what a horrible thing to like go through honestly as a working class person like it fucking like uh was um, exhausting in a weird way. I don't yeah, know. especially shooting electricity through your body in between questions. Exactly. Also, I've known uh, several other people who've also gone on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and I am the only person I know who actually did win any money. <laughs> so, how much, how much did you end up getting? Uh, because I uh, I won around like thirty thousand dollars. So I had amassed a bank of 65000 but because I chose to walk away, I got half of what was in the bank. If I would have lost, I would have gotten $1,000. So then they do not pay for you to do the show. I had to, like, put myself up, et cetera. And Where I, is it shot? Uh, at the time, it was shot in Connecticut. And they really, they film like um, a whole season's worth of episodes in like a month. So I'm on two episodes of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, but I'm, uh, I filmed them in the same day. So Mm. I like just, it it, it did seem like that. Yeah. I just went and like changed my clothes and like came back and uh, did the rest. But um, it's. uh, I learned that. I learned that from back in the. Oh, I guess early 2000s when, like, pop-up yeah, pop videos video. was, like, a thing that VH1 was pushing. Yeah, and then they, like, pushed that format to other shit, and one of it was a Who Wants to Be a Millionaire episode. And the one I remember was it said, like, actually, the episodes were shot on the same night. Yeah, yeah. And I remember thinking... It was, yeah, kind of um, yeah, but I definitely do not recommend it, like, psychologically. Like... The difference between like $30,000 and say like $100,000 is immense for someone like me. And I hated that feeling, especially when I, I could do so little to control my ability to get this money. I played a season where it was less easy to strategize than previously so the difficulty of the question wasn't tied to how much money you won per each question uh very little context clues uh so there's just like just like do you know it or not (laughs) and yeah it's uh 
I kind of walked away from it feeling like sort of our practice of having game shows is quite monstrous. And uh-huh. whenever I watch like newer game shows that are like really horrifying to me, like the even the the floor is lava one or whatever, where it's just like hey, get smashed in the face with a foam bat. <laughs> like the top prize money is like less than I won to like walk away on the game show. So like people are like physically harming themselves to win like $20,000. It's just like uh, weird and gross. Um, (laughs) Like game shows that had big prizes would be fun if people had their needs met, (laughs) you know? Uh, The fact that people don't, it just makes it kind of, I don't know. Monstrous. Yeah. But yeah, definitely was really aware of my, because I'm a well-known fucking person who's full of trivial knowledge about a million dumbass things. So uh, that's one part. Like, oh, I, I am particularly good at knowing a lot of random shit. But the other part was um, I knew how to like be on TV. You know, I certainly like tried out for the show with other people who wanted like who really, really wanted to be on the show and were like basically told to go home because they were like too boring. (laughs) So like that was the other aspect, too, is like knowing that part of me getting on the show was me being aware of how to be like an entertaining person on TV and like, Oh, what funny story could I tell you? And I had a bunch of those like fucking bam, 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 ready to go. Little producer. What do you want to (laughs) know? So, uh, yeah, it's weird. Especially even with all that, it's not like it did change my whole life forever. And la la la. (laughs) It's like, you know, the guy on Slumdog Millionaire was a douche. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. He was Slumdog Millionaire. Yeah, Slumdog Millionaire from the slums of Greek Town to $30,000. Slums of Greek Town to Jersey City. <laughs> Oops. Oh my God! If anybody like listens to this podcast, that'll be the only thing I hear about. What, what, my <laughs> insulting like, all of the Greeks. <laughs> Someone will be like, "Oh, I heard on your little podcast you were calling Greek Town the slums." <laughs> <laughs> no, you weren't. I was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that's how Greeks work. It's Stop, uh, Stavi, baby. Ask your question. Yeah. Oh, no. This is now a Turkish uh, podcast. No, baklava is Greek. Uh, that's just that's just what I know what, that'll make Turkish people uh, the most mad, apparently, um, according to Twitter. Which is a segue, actually. We should anyway, talk about Jalipa. <laughs> do, do you guys... No. Oh God, that's those are words that <laughs> so I. So Dua Lipa one. There's a troubling trend in pop music. It's that there are too many Albanians. Okay, first of all, start with. It's a name. Is Dua Lipa a name? Is it a phrase? It's a name I'm, of a I'm, girl pop star. Oh, okay. Of a human. I'm looking at. She's yeah. a blonde. 
Well, she is a blonde yes, brunette. Sugar. She was mostly a brunette before. But she's part of a troubling trend, and that is her, along with Rita Ora, are both Albanians, and that's too many Albanians doing pop music. <laughs> um, Rita Ora this week tweeted a thing that essentially implied that she supports the idea that Albania should annex many parts of other countries, including Corfu and a huge chunk of Thessaly, Northern Greece, uh, Montenegro. Uh-huh. Oh, she, she made the album that's very Mark Fishery. Future nostalgia. Oh, yes. That mm-hmm. is, yes. <laughs> so uh, it no. was quite hilarious because Dua Lipa got to oh, be oh, in the midst of uh, Balkan Mediterranean Twitter, which okay. is, uh, I love it. Albania, Armenia, and Azerbaijan. I'll need to, like, play fucking rock, paper, scissors for him. Has she denied any any genocide? Uh, no, it's, I mean, because the Albanians, they don't run shit enough to genocide anyone. <laughs> Except here in New York. Do not fuck with any well, Albanians like, in okay. New York. <laughs> They're very scary. Um, but in Albania... Well, like, the Armenians have a whole, Well, the like, Albanians have a whole mafia like, in the Bronx. Or- Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, no, I actually, yeah. I knew a lot of Bronx Albanians in my yeah, uh, work. Oh, yeah, they're yeah. a whole fucking thing. Oh, God, I forgot <laughs> about that. Oh, God. Uh, never forget about Albanians. Anyway, it was a delight. I only wish there was an equally famous Greek pop star who wasn't literally Eleni Fuera from Greece, uh, who ironically was born in Albania. Yeah, been, so there you go. Fucking controversy. I've been seeing a lot of Armenian discourse on Twitter lately, and I just... There's been a whole thing about whether or not Armenians... It's because any time... Kim Kardashian is talked about a lot. It becomes a topic. Uh, And then it actually irritates the shit out of me because I'll see people I think and know are smart say some of the dumbest shit ever, which is, uh, Armenia is like literally in the Caucasus Mountains. Shut the fuck up, everyone. Shut the fuck up. Stop validating Caucasian as a legitimate term. It's made up by a phrenologist who thought the Caucasian skull was the shiniest. It's bullshit. Nothing to do with... I'm just saying that as a Caucasian... Myself, basically. Yeah, that's true. So there. That's what you'll know about us. It's a Greek, an Armenian, and a Steve. Well, I'm I'm German Norwegian. I'm what the Caucasians thought they were from. So we're all Aryans. Aryans. All from Armenia. So I'm there from (laughs) the Caucasians. Well, I just, I just, I really despise it because what I think is something casual that is gross and ends up validating white supremacy is things that act like uh, whiteness like makes sense like it has a inherent logic that is based on something as clear cut as this mountain range this is where white people are from whereas the actual origin of the word is again like I said just a fucking crazy phrenologist skull 
who we don't even know. Don't the, insult. Don't insult my uncle. Like <laughs> we don't even know the anything about the actual person who this skull belonged to. It could have been somebody not from the Caucasus region who had just died there. There's no checks and balances in scientific racism. It's all just these fucking foppish dudes with their collection of skulls and calipers and shit. <laughs> so yeah, I just, I really, it really just makes me get the wincies when I see people. And like I said, if it was just all dummies saying stuff like that, I wouldn't care. But it's often uh, very funny, smart people I hear appeal to what they think is the logic of whiteness. And I'm just like, no, 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 no. And when people talk about Kim Kardashian not like being white, quote unquote, like nobody gives a shit about some technicality or what is it on paper? Uh, whiteness works like this. Do people look at this person and go, that's a white person <laughs> in general? That's it. It's not a thing. It's not a real identity in and of itself. So it's like you could have a discussion about whether Kim sometimes is seen as non-white, but is she perceived that way at times in certain spaces? Yeah, maybe. Uh, also, so what? Who cares? In general, uh, that's like the least important part of that conversation. I so just, am, I, am I an Aryan? Is that what I am? Well, uh, no. Are you Persian? <laughs> no, Aryans are uh, technically Aryan comes from like a Madame Blavatsky sourced idea about the origins of people and actually, I need to she, actually find that article that goes into it because it's not Madame Blavatsky per se but uh, well Madame Blavatsky is the person who popularized a lot of these ideas and the terminology but it was a gentleman who was a fan of hers or of maybe yeah, of the aspects I, I that people I, I read, thought were more fraudulent. I read this fraudulent. whole long article about the origin of like Arianism. Like but it's, I mean, oh, but you know, actually, there's elements of it that are just part of certain strains of Hindu mysticism. And a lot of it's just her interpretation of some of that. We know she spent time in India. The time that she spent in Tibet is debatable. But the, yeah, that's why you'll find sometimes in spaces, Iranians will be like, but we're the real Aryans because... She identified the ancient Persians as descendants of an Aryan race. But it's like, it's all just... Did they go through on the article? I'm just sharing it now. Uh, I'll read that later. But uh, it is, if I recall, quite interesting. Mm -hmm. oh. See, as far as, as far as I can tell, the people that I come from are uh, mountain people from Norway who well, went to Germany... And then, and then escape the Nazis. So I've been told. Nice. I have a good bit of Scandinavian on my mom's side. Uh, I know, like, literally nothing about any of it, uh, except that uh, they do suicide a lot. So <laughs> that's... Yeah, that's um, I, know. I, know that, I know that great, great uncles lived in places that were battlegrounds when they were fighting the Swedes, when the Norwegians were fighting the Swedes, because they just fought them all the time. It was yeah. like the best thing to do if you were like Nordic is to fight the other Nordic empire, I guess. Yeah. Empire? 
Vampires? Well, yeah. I guess. Kings. They're certainly believed in their gods. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, a bunch of Viking adjacent. Yeah, no. Viking. That's who I look like, who I am. And, uh, you know, you guys talk about your heritage so much, and I'm sheepishly ashamed of mine. So this is my chance to uh, shine the Nordic light on everyone. <laughs> the German Nordic. Yeah, I don't I have any Germanic. I have just Scandinavian uh, and some, like, British-Irish on my mom's side. For as long as I remembered, I thought I was almost 100% German on my dad's side. And then he did the 23andMe and found out that, nope, it's all Scandinavian. Oh, hell yeah. Let me be your dad's friend on 23andMe. Let's see if we're related. All right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll I ask have, my dad. <laughs> I am uh, constantly forgetting I did 23andMe and then whenever I check it again uh, the percentages have changed ever so slightly so I'm always hoping they'll update and it'll be something really wild all of a sudden so far it's just as I suspected Apparently Gustav Cosina is the guy who came up with it the whole Aryanism some archaeologist from Germany back in the day yes they're the best at doing race science. I yeah. mean, well, another interesting thing about the race science is people often identify the swastika as, oh, it comes from actually Hinduism and blah, 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 blah. But that's not why Hitler and the Nazi party got attached to it. They didn't actually see it as that symbol. Uh, there's a lot of similar geometric shapes. It's something that when Heinrich Schliemann excavated Troy, quote unquote, a lot of the pottery that they found there, a lot of German archaeologists were eager to draw correlations between ancient Germanic pottery and stuff that had been excavated at supposedly Troy. And this one geometric symbol was one of these things that they tried to use to act like these people who there's no evidence would have interacted in any way <laughs> were actually, uh, you know, related in some way. So, so you're saying that the Greeks birth the Nazis as well. <laughs> uh, well, there's certainly a German romanticism of ancient Greece specifically that definitely is mixed in there. The uh, which is interesting because it, they uh, also had to find a way to justify their actual bigotry uh, against actual Greeks who existed. <laughs> it has always been Turkish Troy. Oh my god. Look. Speaking Turks, of Greeks, Greeks, Persians, what's, you know, come on, that's, that's whatever. You're all one people <laughs> and that one all people of it. is Turkish. All of it, uh, I'm a, now what's going to piss off your friends? <laughs> all we know is how to not pay all of our taxes. We all have that in common. Uh, <laughs> so... We, there's a shared culture there. But yes, yes, certainly the myth-making around race science is, uh, it would be hilarious if it wasn't, you know, so materially yeah, I mean, scary. 
I mean, to be fair, back then it sounded like it was the shit. Like it was the new hip thing that people were getting into. Yeah, they basically oh, yeah. just discovered the Indo-European family, like linguistic family group. And but that entire framework is also not free of this influence. The entire idea of the linguistic framework, the way it's structured is, you know... They discovered that Sanskrit, like, is sort of related to German, and... No, that's not... No, yeah, that's, that's not That's it. stupid. Also, in the tree, <laughs> Greek is just its own thing on its own oh branch, God. like, by itself. Like, it's... Uh, but also, like, people use that framework to argue why, um, canonically, in the West, you teach ancient Greek with, like, an Anglo accent. Because they're like, oh, well, it could be anything, really. <laughs> so why wouldn't it be kind of this Britishy one? Yeah, a lot of that framework is definitely people who wanted to create narratives that cast themselves as the stars of the ancient world. Well, not only that, but like evolution was discovered. Like a lot of this came from Darwin and wanting to see yourself at the end of the evolution or the top of the evolutionary chain in like this human Darwinism. Well, it certainly added a new legitimacy to it, but these kind of like just making categories. Yeah. I mean, it's the, it's they, they go back before. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you gotta you go back to the ancient Greek, and you've got these old Greek motherfuckers just talking all kinds of weird shit. In the ancient Greek, you'll often see them call the Persians like light skinned because. At the time, in Persian culture, they were more likely to spend more time inside. But it, like, comes up over and over again. That doesn't mean, like... And I think that's what contributes a little bit to this uh, Aryan, ancient Persian, Aryan as, like, ultimate white, blonde hair, blue-eyed, light beings that are seven feet tall kind of idea. Me. Yeah, you exactly. The evolution... No, I'm just talking the specific sudden, like association of India with like this oh yeah but there's definitely like an intra from what I know forgive me if I'm getting like if I'm out of my depth here audience person uh, but from what I know there are elements to that kind of match up and that their ideas about people being taller and lighter skinned are you know a being of superior stock are uh, not purely an introduction of Western ideas into a place like India. It's a thing that already oh, existed. Yeah. And yes, I did watch that Indian matchmaker show, so... <laughs> Which they took no no care to minimize <laughs> the blatant colorism. <laughs> anyway, the point being, Dua Lipa, you know what? Back the fuck up. That's all. That's all I'll say. <laughs> the point being... Yeah, I, I don't. I don't have time to learn about Greater Albanian revenge. And you shouldn't, because what is Albania? Most of them uh, speak Greek. Or Kosovo, or a lesser <laughs> currently Kosovo, former Kosovo. Mm -hmm. Kosovo. Um, so I know <laughs> Turkey. Uh, <laughs> I feel like we buried the lead here this week. The Regis Philbin died. The Regis Philbin died, and um, Steve, you're kind of a star. Uh, I'm not a you're kind of uh, you're kind of hitting the big time. Uh, 
How many months have you been waiting for this story to come out? <sighs> Too many. Like, and it feels so, like a year. It, at the very least. Um, it's, I had a, an article come out for context. I worked for the Epoch Times in New York as a writer during the 2016 campaign. And then last year, people started calling me up, newspapers, asking me about my experience for some reason. Um, so I gave an interview to NBC, and a big article came out about that. And then when that article came out, more people started calling me up. Um, so I did a podcast for an Australian AD um, about the Falun Gong. In this episode of Background Briefing, I'm going to take a close look at the power wielded from inside this compound. I want to know what is Falun Gong trying so hard to hide, and just how far is the group prepared to go to achieve its aims? To find out, I'll speak to people who've been behind the compound's locked gates and follow the activities of the group's disciples across the world from their base in New York to Vietnam and back to Australia. The stories they tell reveal a coordinated campaign of media influence and help uncover how the group's affiliates push an aggressive political agenda. This is part two of The Power of Falun Gong. Holy shit, the Falun Gong are gonna find their podcast as part of their- Oh my God, I mean, we're really easy targets given our name, <laughs> but like that's possibly the best possible outcome of this. <laughs> oh yeah, no, that's um, great. Falcon. Uh, I mean, I think they've already they've already tried to fish my my Facebook. Hell yeah! I got an email saying that I needed to reset my password, and I'm like, that's bait. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I did a podcast. I'm in the second part of it about my experience uh, writing about Trump. And the podcast is pretty interesting, if possibly a little Orientalist. Um, but it's really hard to not be Orientalist if you're white people talking about the Falun Gong. I, I don't know. I've never been able to navigate it well. Do you have any thoughts on this? These two other white people uh, are, cannot reliably tell you how to be less orientalist uh, when talking about these. <laughs> no, it's not me. It's not me. I know it's, it's not you. But, but yeah, um, no, we can't. Falun Gong is a cult. Um, they're a Chinese nationalist, far-right, fascist organization. But they just seem like they're doing a different Tai Chi from the outside. Yeah, they, <laughs> they, they, do, they do dances. Uh, you can see them in parks. They wear yellow. And they will tell you how evil the Chinese Communist Party is. And he turned because the Chinese Communist Party outlawed their asses in, like, 1990 six and then started cracking down on them in 1999 and then they fled to america and started a newspaper and that was the newspaper that i worked for in 2016. now when you uh, first started working there uh, did you know that <laughs> i knew that they were chinese or that they're they had an anti-china bias but i didn't know much about the cult like i knew a cursory thing and it kind of seemed Weird, but I've been in, unemployed for like 
a year and a half, and so I didn't give a shit. They were giving me a salary mm-hmm. to write politics, and I was like, sure, give me a salary. And at first, I thought they were kind of like a Christian fundamentalist. Like, you know, I kind of played up like Ted Cruz during the... I thought they would like Ted Cruz, like just kind of projecting what I thought. Yeah. Um, and like... Kasich during the primary and uh you know then Trump got elected and then they went full on for Trump and uh I watched like five Trump rallies a day for them for like six months oh man and I was like these guys are fascists or Trump's a fascist and they're like but is he and I'm like yeah and they're like well and then they're like but is that even a bad thing well they're more like well you know immigrants shouldn't come to this country meanwhile like all of them (laughs) and yeah they also believe Trump is like coming down from the heavens to save them from communist China Um, they have like a whole mythos around uh, the world ending like 82 times and if you do enough dancing then you'll like survive it and also Trump is like this god figure who's come down to destroy the Chinese Communist Party. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, back it up. How many <laughs> dances do you have to do? Just like, just wondering. <laughs> you just have to be uh, diligent with values. Um, I always feel like it's good to know every apocalyptic prophecy, just in case it's the one that does seem to be panning out. I just want to be aware. And, and it is panning out. And and you know who's the blame for their apocalypse? Chinese Communist oh Party. Oh, my God. And you know what they came out with about the pandemic? Chinese Communist. They call it the CCP virus. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so I work for them, and I've been talking about it ever since. You know, I dated somebody who's in the cult. You know, it was a whole thing. Did she try to, like, sell you on it? No. Somebody in the office tried to red pill me with a Stephen, Stephen Molyneux <laughs> video, which I quickly shut down. Oh, man. Um, no, they're not, like, apostolicizing. Is that the right word? Evangelizing. They're not, like, the evangelizing types. But they are um, insist that the Chinese Communist Party should be stopped. And if you believe that, then you should join them and fight them. Fight the Chinese Communist Party. I mean, they are evangelizing. They just wouldn't waste their time on you. See, I don't like cults that aren't just grubby little soul grabbers. I like a cult that wants every single person. They're, they want to get them all. They're like a Pokemon guy. Did you listen? Did you see the podcast? I did. I did. Uh, I feel like we've talked about it like personally. Yeah. And I always share that my initial uh, knowledge of Falun Gong was uh, they used to do their special Tai Chi uh, right on the lawn at Columbia University. Um, And and Mm -hmm. I have done it because I thought it was just (laughs) a thing that uh, was a little meditative exercise. So There are a lot of people that say that when I bring it up. It actually... Like, White people. <laughs> I did totally dig it. I'm pretty into like any sort of let's imagine a ball of energy is in your hands. I'm like, let's do it. I just want to be in an anime in real life. So anything 
that feels like I can make believe there. I like it. My entire like knowledge of Falun Gong was those people on the lawn. And then I became aware, uh, oh, the Chinese government is torturing these people. Um, mm-hmm. But there was a good deal of stories in the early 2000s around this. And Mm -hmm. I honestly didn't know, didn't think about them again until I was talking with you and your experience with Epoch Times and and everything. And I was like, oh, yeah, there's these fascists. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Well, and I call it like neo-fascism because it's not very militant. And I think that's the only thing that doesn't make them straight up fascist. But they do want to turn back the clocks to a time before the Communist Party like two more agrarian, like their whole thing is like anti-Western medicine. And from that is like anti-liberalism. And from that is anti-communism, which they see as very much interlocked. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they told me Hillary Clinton was going to bring about like Chinese communism here. Oh man, I would have been like, because, yeah, 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 I know. And I was like, man, you really make, Hillary a lot cooler than she actually is. <laughs> yeah. But it is more of a reaction to globalization and the kind of tr- trade agreements between China and America that they see as like infiltration of Chinese influence here, mm-hmm. um, which really popped off in the last week, the tensions between the two. We're in the middle of a spat, escalating spat. And so it's interesting to be <laughs> sort of in the middle of it. Well, at least I'm very much on one side. Like, Chinese Communist Party didn't do anything wrong, as far as Falun Gong is concerned, but also with regards to America. I don't know. I've been reading about the Uyghurs, and that's a dicey thing that I don't think we can possibly go into here. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, Chinese Communism. It's, like, not communism, but state capitalism and exploitative and awful, but also good and the best that communism has to offer at this point. So it's like this really weird argument that every single person on the left seems to be having all at the same time, like it's the Cold War Part Two, but like a haunted version of it. Yeah, first as a tragedy, then as a farce. What would you say, Marlo? Like you've been, you have mixed feelings about China. I don't believe they're a communist state. Well, I just said they're not. Yeah, I don't don't know. They're generally stupid and bad, but, like, also the Falun Gong sucks, and I don't really give a shit. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, throw them out of your country. I don't give a shit. Like, torture them. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) They deserve everything they got. Oh man! Uh, also, uh, freedom to the Ugar people, and uh, may Allah bless their uh, righteous jihad. You know, every country needs a good terrorist cell. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Falun Gong, don't trust them. Don't fall for their propaganda. I'm going to see the bodies exhibit even oh. more now. <laughs> 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 oh no I've never I never did see the bodies exhibit and you know what I think uh, okay the the connection that Marlo's making is the, yes. that there's 
conspiracy that the Falun Gong members' bodies are the bodies and the bodies. Yeah. yeah. And you're just looking, the floor. looking at their freeze-dried, you know, arteries and shit. And uh, they wish they were they oh. wish they were in fifth position. Of the Falun Gong exercises. Well, okay. The other thing about the Falun Gong that's hopped off in American politics is Pompeo gave a big speech railing against China and condemned the persecution of the Falun Gong. And that happened three days, and it's the first time any president has done it. And Falun Gong is really excited about it. They love it. They are- they are like, oh yeah, Trump administration, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, say no more. We are on your side and we are going to support. Okay, and the other thing is, it's completely a CIA. Uh, we can't just not say it. I know that like tankies think everything's a CIA op if it like even mentions anti-communist sentiments, but no, like. Falun Gong absolutely paid off by the CIA. National Endowment for Democracy. Uh, all right, now I sound like a crazy person. Look, everything's a CIA. Yeah, they were probably just a religious movement for the most yeah. part, like that the CIA eventually got into. Whatever. Like, the Chinese didn't react to them because they were a CIA. The Chinese legitimately did probably react to them because they were a large organization outside the immediate offices of the party yes. that any senior party members were getting involved in. But uh, what yeah. I'm trying to say is I got paid off by the yeah. That's really the old heading. Yeah, I guess. So, yeah. So there should be more articles. I got, uh, I've been interviewed by New York Times, uh, The Atlantic. Oh, and, just getting uh, all of the trash rags out of the way. <laughs> just, just all of the center-left neoliberal or neocon shit rags who have something to say about uh, a weird fucking Chinese cult. Look, it's a delightful reprieve from QAnon, you know? I gotta say, I prefer the Falun Gong to QAnon people. (laughs) Oh, yeah, no, they got their... Okay, so they're also engaging with QAnon. The Falun Gong people have a thing on YouTube called the Edge of Wonder. And you can find this on YouTube if you really want to just gouge your eyes Mm -hmm. out. Um, There's guys that I used to work with who I saw every day. um, And they started their own YouTube channel, which pushes, you know, lizard people theory uh, and end of days. Oh, gosh. Like, I discovered a really delightful... It's sort of tangentially conspiracy theory. There's a whole leg of conspiracy theory that goes into this world of, uh, like, channeled galactic histories. <laughs> Not unlike uh, Scientology, right? And I have discovered there's a whole chunk of people who believe the Archangel Michael is actually a nefarious, malevolent entity from a certain stargate siphoning off humans' energy. (laughs) And let me tell you guys, don't fall down this rabbit hole unless you want to get afraid that you've got the sword of 
Archangel Michael embedded in your spine because this is a thing. Yeah, there's a whole leg of sort of people from the flat earth world who go into this uh, galactic history where entities, uh, where things we know of as angels and blah, 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 are actually beings from other stargates seeking to steal our energy a la the Negaverse and Sailor Moon. That's why I really dig it. But yes. Yeah, Edge of Wonder has a lot of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they'll get into the QAnon stuff. They'll get into the lizard people. They'll get into the... I watched one of theirs that was about plagues. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's all the far-right agenda. Mm -hmm. It's all with Breitbart kind of editorial vision. Well, uh, yeah, it's absolutely a lot of the sort of what I'll generously describe as just like your run of the mill, innocent crackpot kind of theories. A lot of them, if they're at all compelling, get scooped up and politicized. And I feel like QAnon is uh, just a really great example of um, intent, like, because I definitely believe QAnon's a... QAnon's the psyop, you dipshits. <laughs> uh, it's like by design supposed to hook people who are casually already interested in discovering such a conspiracy. See, but I, I'm pretty sure that they're convinced it's a psyop. Like that's the whole appeal is that it is a psyop. I mean that uh, I believe that there are people from the CIA who have created the myth of QAnon by design. Like, I don't think it's just... Yeah, and if they find out that it is the CIA behind it the whole time, they'll be like, thank you. I am really happy that I was in on this grand and glorious CIA for us. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, that's definitely an element of it. But there are a people who really are just not... Uh, what I'd call seeking safely. Uh, they're looking for truth and answers and a little bit of spirituality and they're getting sucked up into these bullshit worlds. Um, almost everyone, almost everyone I met in the Falun Gong, I would consider a seeker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely something I think about a lot that be, I think because part of my family is like, my uncle's like, yeah, I'm a witch. What of it? Uh, I never had this whole like romanticization, but I never was like, oh, oh, my gosh. The answer to everything is just like this alternative religion or this blah, blah, blah. I'm just like a curious person. And it's all kind of like interesting to me. But I've seen a lot of people who came. Yeah. monocultural or mono-religious background that getting introduced to some alternative ideas, they're like, oh, well, this is the answer now. And The worst atheists have gone to Catholic school. I've always said that. Like, the worst fucking yeah. most annoying goddamn people in the world go atheists have all, mm-hmm. like have a super fucking religious background and it's annoying as fuck it's like i don't know i concluded that there was no god well there a lot of them i think are like really disappointed that their religion turned out to be untrue so now they're like nobody gets it uh nobody gets any of this religion it's all bad and yeah yeah the journey of the ex-Catholic is weird. They'll either go like super hardcore atheist, 
ex-Catholics will often become oh god yeah no we hate them Christians who like uh yeah we hate them because uh the whole thrill of being an orthodox Christian is that you're often a part of a culture that is like incongruent with pure piety of the religion Greeks are very heavily identified with being Greek Orthodox, but like things about being Greek that just don't match up with what you'd consider very pious or rule following. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's like yeah. the Greeks never let go of their, uh, you know, stealing is fine as long as you don't get caught. That's, that's a Greek, <laughs> that's a Greek uh, value, you, you know. They know they're not supposed to say it outright, but it's still the deal. Sticky-fingered people. That's right. <laughs> and by extension, and by extension, the Turks. <laughs> <laughs> That's my rule. I can be uh, as mean as I want about Turks as long as I imply that uh, they're the same as Greeks. So. Greeks are island Turks. That's right. right. I'm one of them. Uh, (laughs) All right. All right. Yeah, we're uh, good. Um, Everyone should definitely check out Steve uh, on the podcast, the ABC podcast. podcast uh, (laughs) I'll put it in the show notes. Um, The power of Falun Gong. Yeah, and uh, I one lucky listener. Um, guess what? You're in the Falun Gong now. Uh, <laughs> get in touch with us. We'll give you your welcome packet. Uh, tweet tweet mean things at us and try to sue us. This actually might work this time. Yeah, we're trying oh, yeah. so hard. No, the Falun Gong or electric a- spot. That's right. Uh, ABC Australia has been a been sued like three times already hell right. yeah hell yeah and them australians is very problematic um yeah All everyone right. check Brill- that stuff brilliant. out brilliant bye let us uh drive you to a cult guys bye All right. bye Blame is mercy.